You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Hi, and welcome back to another interview on the Creatively Human podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Kelsey Meck, a clinical counsellor and trauma therapist who is passionate about exploring the intersections between mental health and living a more intentional life. We talk about how anxiety and self-doubt show up in our creative work and businesses, being authentic and having boundaries around that, the societal expectations that impact our mental health, letting go of the shoulds and working on our own version of success, and meeting yourself where you're at to make positive changes when navigating all of this. Kelsey is particularly interested in supporting women to achieve emotional wellness through living in alignment with the natural cycles of the seasons and their own bodies, radically tending to their needs and tuning into their authentic expression of self. She is just in the process of launching a membership program, diving deeply into this work. Kelsey also offers online courses and programs on anxiety, connecting with your inner child and one-to-one therapy. When she's not working on her business, you can probably find her going on long walks in the woods with her partner and their new puppy Zephyr or curled up with a good book and a cup of coffee. Honestly, I think you're going to get so much value out of this episode. Honestly, it was so wonderful talking to Kelsey and she had such a kind and insightful, useful way of of summing up a lot of the things that I know so many of us share the same struggles with. So yeah, let me know what you think um, and enjoy the episode. Okay, so can we start by talking about anxiety and self-doubt? Because I know this is a topic that you suggested to me, which is just like so important to talk about and the way that all manifests and gets tangled up in our creativity Mm -hmm. and our businesses. Yeah, it's so critical to talk about because I think for so many of us as entrepreneurs, there's a little bit of hesitation sometimes around really owning our anxiety around all of that because of how it connects with how we sort of put ourselves out there into the world. And more and more, I'm seeing people talking really openly about feeling anxious or having self-doubt and still being able to show up and be a creative person in the world. But, um, But it's something that I think has been, you know, at least for me, there's this fear around like how much can I share this and talk about this and still be perceived, especially as a therapist, as like a professional skilled person in my Mm. field. Um, And yet I think it's so critical for us to be talking about and having these conversations about because I don't know any creative person who at some point in their career, whether that's professional or otherwise, has not been up against at least a little bit of anxiety and self-doubt. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I don't know anyone either. And like, I love the fact that through this podcast, I get to dive into that with everyone. And pretty much everyone has the same kind of insecurities, the same fears, the same like imposter syndrome, all of that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's why it's so powerful to talk about. But it was really interesting that you said about almost the anxiety of talking about the anxiety because of being a therapist and like being perceived as professional Mm -hmm. or whatever that's really interesting to me and how have you navigated well it's interesting because you know at least in my experience of going through my master's degree and all of my training to become a therapist they tell you not to share too much about yourself with the world um as because your clients can can Mm -hmm. see it and that does create a little bit of a shift sometimes in the dynamic and we're always taught to think about you know what we're sharing through a lens of you know if my client knew this would i would that would that be appropriate for that relationship and i mean obviously Mm -hmm. i'm very cautious about that and and conscientious of that when I share online. But for me, it's been so important to just like, as part of my process of showing up in online spaces to completely own and claim my truth as a therapist and also as a human. And I've been kind of doing a bit of a a dance of figuring out, you know, exactly what my role is in those spaces in so that I'm able to kind of hold space for both of those things. And what I've noticed is, you know, the more authentic I am, the more 
transparent I am about my own experiences with anxiety, with self-doubt, with any of these things that we're talking about, the more connected I've felt to my community and I think vice versa as well. And it's like we, Mm. we take mental health and kind of make it so stigmatized. We see it as this wall between us and others and we hide behind it. We, we hide it, right. Our experiences of mental health. And yet because it's so human to struggle in those ways, those are often the experiences that connect us the most with people either, you know, in the capacity of, um, entrepreneur to client, but, um, but in any capacity. Right. And so I just, I'm so um, inspired to see that more and more we're we're bringing this stuff out into the open because I I think that's like that's what makes us feel connected is to know we're not alone and oh look at that person doing this really cool work over there and they're really struggling with all the things I struggle with or oh look at that person creating and telling me about how much self doubt they experienced with putting this particular you know piece of art out into the world wow maybe that means I can do it too it's actually like so connecting. Yes, exactly. And I found that so much like I appreciate so much the people like because you can put people on a pedestal sometimes and, and just think that, okay, it's all right for them, but not for me. I could never do that. And that's the kind of way I thought for many years before like doing stuff like this, putting myself out there, having a podcast and all of that stuff. And I try always to share Mm -hmm. the doubt that goes on behind the scenes and the scary moments and honestly, real anxiety at times too. Um, and yeah, it's so powerful and connecting, like you said, and I'm just wondering, like, so, so in this, like, I guess in this considered intentional way in which you share it, but also being mindful of your, um, I don't know, the safe safety and professional boundaries, like, do you have any specific boundaries? Have you, have you learned along the way? What is what is a good way to share and what and what remains private, but in a way that's still open to yeah. being very connecting? It does. Hopefully that question makes question. sense. Um, <laughs> good. For me, the lens through which I kind of make those decisions about these things, and it's become fairly like automatic and intuitive at this point, is um, like, do is there anything I still need from this, right? So basically, if I've fully processed mm-hmm. something and I'm good with it and I can kind of handle, you know, whatever response might show up online, which honestly in the spaces I share is 99.9% of the time very positive and supportive anyway, um, mm-hmm. then it's ready to to go out there, right? Like if I'm if I'm good, if I don't still need any care around something or any support, then it's ready to share. So often a lot of the time I'll talk about experiences I've had a little bit in the past because when they were really fresh, it wasn't the right time to put them out on Instagram because I didn't really know what response I would get. And I didn't, and I knew I wasn't ready in case there was any negative or doubting response. And so for me, the filter is really just like, have I processed this enough? Am I, am I, am I okay with this being, you know, up for examination basically? Um, and most of the time, you know, that process happens pretty quick for for me because I'm, um, have a lot of practice in processing all the big feelings that I have. Um, but there are certainly things, you know, there's some stuff that happened early January of this year that, um, was pretty big in my life that I want to share with the world, but I'm still holding tight, um, probably for another few months on, because I know it's not, it's not quite ready yet because I still feel vulnerable about it. Mm, Yep. That makes absolute sense to me. And do you feel, do you feel kind of solid in that decision? Like, is there any part of you that feels it's inauthentic not to share? No, I don't think so because, um, I'm a hundred percent or as much as I can be, you know, authentic with what I do share. Um, and I don't think it's inauthentic for us to hold stuff back that we want to have remain in, in a little bit of a smaller sacred container, right? Showing up authentically online doesn't mean we have to be a hundred percent honest about every single thing that's happening in our life. Showing up authentically means choosing the things we want to share with care for ourselves primarily, Um, and then, you know, 
being honest, open, whatever it is that resonates with you about those specific things you've chosen to share. So there's a really big distinction, I think, between being authentic and real in how you show up and being a completely 100% open book. Because ultimately, you know, when you're going into these online spaces in whatever capacity, as, as just, you know, a regular person, as an entrepreneur, as a creative, whatever it might be, you need to prioritize yourself and your care of yourself first. And sometimes that's going to look like holding things in. And that doesn't mean you're any less authentic. It just means you're doing a really good job of having boundaries, of taking care of yourself, of being selective about what would feel nourishing and supportive to you and your community to share. Right. And that I don't think takes away from your authenticity. If anything, it means you're able to show up more authentically because you have built these boundaries around what you know you can and cannot or do and don't feel comfortable sharing. And so when you do share, you know it can come from a more authentic place rather than sort of saying too much and then feeling really vulnerable and have what I know Brené Brown calls a vulnerability hangover about it. And then maybe next time being like, oh, I don't want to share anything because that experience was awful. And so you start shutting down, right? So much better to be really intentional and, and careful about taking care of yourself in these spaces as well. Yes. Yeah. I love that answer. Cause I am totally on the same page as you there, but I know that it can get really tangled up for people in terms of like, what does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to be visible and speak my truth and all of that? But what you said about you choose the things that you share and that's just like a part of the picture and you're intentional about the things that you share. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Exactly Cause it's it. like, we've swung yeah. from one extreme on Instagram, at least in sort of the communities that I'm a part of and the Instagram that I see, which I know is only one small sort of part of that world. But, um, mm-hmm. we've sort of swung from at least for a while, things were feeling like so, um, over polished, right. And like, so like everything had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I know when Instagram started, it wasn't like that, but I sort of saw it go through this wave of kind of moving more in that direction. Now it seems like at least in the spaces I'm in the pendulum swinging a bit the other way where we're like, no, we do want to see more authenticity. We do want to connect with these common, very human themes of struggle and adversity and pain and all of these things. And that's welcome here too. Um, but we also, as, as, especially as, as business people who often depend on those, those types of audiences, Instagram or otherwise for our revenue and our income, right. There can be this tendency to try and like over please almost, or just like only give what the community wants or what you think the community Mm. wants. And it's just so important to remember that that's a piece of it, but your well being as that professional is also a really important component. And you need to figure out what's going to feel good to you, not just what, what content do I need to offer my community? But, you know, what content will feel really nourishing for you to share as well? And sometimes I think that part gets missed because we get anxious, right? Or we have doubt or we end up in a scarcity mindset where we're like, no, I just have to give whatever they want from me. And it's like, that's not sustainable. So we do really need to be intentional about cultivating our presence in that way that works for both us and our community. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of being mm. a bit selfish in that way, although I don't really think it's selfish, but it but it helps me to think of it that way. And um, so like going back to the whole anxiety and self-doubt piece, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes the oversharing or, you know, thinking you need to share certain things can come from a place of anxiety and self-doubt and sharing things when it's not right and at the wrong time can also fuel that self-doubt and anxiety. It's just really really tricky sometimes. it is. And I mean, I think a part of the whole piece of anxiety and self-doubt in, in this work is, is accepting that it's going to be there. Right. And that that doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean Mm -hmm. anything about you in terms of your worth, value, success, whatever, as a, as a professional or as a business owner. Um, it's just like anxiety is a common human experience, right? We, demonize it so much or we demonize ourselves thinking, you know, oh, like I'm, I'm so wrong for being anxious. Why is this, why is this happening? What's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I get a grasp on this? And it's like, no, actually anxiety is like a a really normal and many times adaptive response to you feeling threat real or perceived in the world around you. And when we're being bombarded by so much content, so much comparison, so much, you know, fear in terms of what's going on in the world right now, like, of of course you're anxious, right? Like that's okay. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. and it's okay for you to 
hold space for your anxiety and not let it necessarily be in the driver's seat or call the shots, but just accept that sometimes it will be there and for you to be an astounding creative person in the world and be successful at your craft, whatever that is. Um, there's no, you know, we, I think we get in this mindset that we're like, we have to get rid of the anxiety or the self-doubt or whatever it might be in order to proceed with the other things we want to do. And I think it's, it's really important to make the shift to accepting that both of those things can exist at the same time. Mm, that's such a beautiful pep mm-hmm. talk. Thank you. That was, you said it perfectly. And one of the things I know that you wanted to touch on today when we were talking about, you know, the kind of topics for this episode was the idea that our mental health stuff isn't just Mm -hmm. an individual problem. And I would love to hear you talk about that and what you mean by that. Yeah. So, I mean, coming back to what I was mentioning a little bit when I last spoke of this idea that we, when we experience, um, anything sort of that falls in that category of like a mental health concern or um, whether it's anxiety or depression or, you know, impacts of trauma, lingering PTSD symptoms, whatever it might be, there's this sense um, in in how we speak about this generally in at least sort of Western, like Eurocentric society that, you know, there's something wrong with us. There's something within us that needs to be fixed, right? Why can't I just like push through and figure it out? And yet, so much of what's at the root of any of these things, but we'll talk about anxiety specifically, is systemic, right? Like it's because mm-hmm. of the the systems that we live in. It's because of patriarchy or capitalism and the pressures that come from living in those types of systems. It's because of the expectations that we put on ourselves in order to adhere to the broader expectations of, you know, the system we operate within. It's because of maybe what we've learned from our family of origin growing up about what we should do or what our role should be. And maybe that came from you know, things we learned in order to stay safe or receive love when we were a child, but we've now sort of internalized as these these roles we need to continue to play. And so much of our anxiety um, really comes up from outside of us. And so when we look at it just as like, okay, God, there's something wrong with me. The system's great. Everything around me is fine. I'm just like flawed in some way because I feel so anxious all the time and I can't seem to get over it. I ask people to like flip that and go, okay, just imagine your anxiety was actually just a response to everything you've taken in from the outside world, everything you've internalized over your lifetime and all of the pressures you're feeling from the world. Does it like make a little bit more sense? And it can sometimes just be this moment of like, Mm. oh my gosh, like, of course I'm anxious. Like, here are all the, like, I'll get people to write out lists of all the shoulds that they carry just to see, like, how Mm. much they hold every day as pressure um, of, like, who they need to be in the world and how much of that isn't actually theirs or anything wrong with them. It's just a story we were told. So that's kind of what I mean when I say, Mm. you know. Anxiety is not an individual problem. Certainly, we're responsible for taking care of ourselves, taking care of our responses, learning how to regulate our nervous systems, learning how to cope with our anxiety, learning what needs to change in our lives to make our mental health better. That's all on us. That is individual. That's our responsibility. But the root cause is often so much bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. And that's so important. And I feel like it really helps... (sighs) I don't know what the word is. You you will probably be able to articulate this a lot better than me, but it, it seems like it helps distance yourself in a kind way from yeah. the problem. The problem. Absolutely. Sort of and when we can see it for what it is, it's like you said, I mean, it is distancing. We can just kind of look at this thing and go like, oh, oh, that's mm. what's happening over there. Right. Okay. That, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So what are some of the ways in which these kind of expectations and all of this stuff that we've grown up with that we've experienced that has become kind of stories that can manifest in anxiety and self-doubt how how do you see this showing up specifically with creative people Mm -hmm. and business owners yeah so I mean so much I think of um of this stuff is tied to like worthiness um this sense of uh Mm -hmm. first of all am I am I like worthy of success or a certain income or being recognized, being seen. Um, Often, you know, a lot of us maybe grew up experiencing 
challenges around worthiness, not feeling like we were worthy because we didn't receive the kind of love or belonging or acceptance um, that we maybe needed. And even if you did, right, there's um, really small things that can happen throughout your life, throughout your childhood that are just, you know, we sort of see as like normal experiences of, of bullying or rejection or, you know, doing something in art class and having you know, the teacher kind of like shrug it off. Like it's no big deal, even though it was this masterpiece you were so proud of, right? Those like Mm -hmm. little moments, it doesn't have to be sort of big T trauma. It can just be this little stuff that happens that sort of plants those seeds of, of doubt or like needing to prove yourself for the rest of your life. Right. And so I think that gets in our way so Mm -hmm. much when we're creating and putting things out there. It's like, Oh, who am I to, to do this, to offer this, to, you know, show up in the world in this way. And we have to recognize that like at the root of who we are is this beautiful, creative being who has so much to offer the world. And we've just gotten like a bunch of stuff dumped on us from outside. And that self-doubt, that anxiety, Mm -hmm. that questioning is really like, it's not ours. It's not ours. And we've been carrying it. Like, it's like we Mm -hmm. are given this maybe basket, right? When we, when we're born and people just keep dumping stuff in the basket and it gets heavier and heavier. And then we get weighed down by it. And then we stop kind of doing anything because we're just so busy carrying the basket around. And if we recognize that, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just put down the basket, you'd just be you and you'd be free to create and be and express. Oh my gosh, what a relief that would be because none of that stuff, none of that baggage was ever yours. You're still this, you know, being who has, has so much to offer the world. So I think one of the most important pieces of this is really like digging into, you know, when you notice as a creative person or as an entrepreneur, some of that self-doubt, some of that anxiety coming up around your offerings in the world, really trying to distill and parse apart, like, okay, is this even mine? Is like, where is this coming from? Where is the root of this? When have I felt this way before as a child or in my life? Who gave me this story? Because I guarantee you weren't born feeling that way, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's such a powerful way to think of it, that kind of metaphor of carrying it around and being weighed down by it. And yeah, do you have any advice for anyone who might be listening to this? I mean, we Mm -hmm. all carry that stuff, right? But if someone's really if it's really getting in the way, you know, causing inaction or they know they want to do something, but they are like terrified about it, or it's, you know, it's really bringing up anxiety. What would your advice be for someone to start working Mm -hmm. through this stuff? Yeah. So the first thing to do with any kind of emotional experience that's feeling really challenging, anxiety or otherwise, is a little bit counterintuitive because, you know, we're, we're sort of, we learn in this society, like we should just be able to think our way through things, right. And like figure it out. Once we figure it out Mm -hmm. or figure out the cause, like, okay, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be gone. But because anxiety, you know, it's a physical experience that we have in our body. We actually need to start with the body. We need to start with the emotional experience Mm -hmm. and the physical sensations. And so the first step with any of this is always to practice being present with the emotions. Um, and that's hard to do because, Mm. you know, in our, in our society and the way we've, um, to work, we've actually like so often been kind of forced to disconnect from our body because we're like, okay, I gotta, you know, work my nine to five Mm. and then I gotta go take care of the kids. And I can't, I don't have time to feel right. I don't have time to like be in my body and see what it needs. So it can often be really hard to connect with and be with and be present with emotions or any kind of experience like anxiety. And that's okay. Right. I just want to say like, that's, Mm. there's nothing, again, nothing wrong with you. It's this thing you're, you might've learned to do over a long period of time. That's been adaptive because of the way we've been living and, and that's okay. But it is really important to just practice being present with your emotional experience. And one thing I actually recently learned from um, a woman I know who does incredible work in this area, Varvara Erochina, is um, that there's apparently you only need to be present with your emotional or with your sort of physical experience of emotions for 90 seconds for it to shift. So it might not go away entirely, Mm -hmm. but something about it will change. Emotions can only stay physically with us in the body for that short period of time. And so if you can manage to just be really present without telling stories or making meaning 
with your emotional experience in your body. So this might look like, let's say you're feeling anxious and you have like tightness in your chest and a bit of a knot in your stomach. You just stay with that physical experience. You might sit down and go, okay, you know, I'm feeling this tension in my chest. It's really tight. It's really tight. There's also this knot in my stomach. Oh my gosh, the knot's getting bigger. Oh, it feels so gross. I feel like I might throw up. Okay. The tension in my chest, it feels like a, a knife stabbing, like really just walking yourself through only the physical sensations. Yeah. It's going to help to shift and change that, that experience a little bit and potentially enough for you to then take the second step of trying to figure out, okay, like where is this coming from, right? Like, where have I felt this way before? Mm. What do I need? What's really going on here? But we really need to not skip that first step of being present with the emotions because when we do that, we um, we speak their language, right? We actually show up for what our emotions need. Emotions need to be felt. Mm. They need to be validated. They need to be expressed in order to end. And so if we just skip that step, mm. they just get stuck in our body and get worse and worse and worse. So we need to feel first and then try and figure out, okay, where does this come from? What can I do about it? All of these other pieces. Yeah, that's such useful advice. Thank you. And it's made me kind of think so sometimes for me anxiety manifests like it just is there and I don't know why and I wonder if that's me like when you say like sit with it I, I just I, I this is something that I've been working on myself but I, I know it's something also that I've avoided doing like mm-hmm. just sitting with it and I wonder if it's almost like my body's trying to tell me something but I'm not yeah listening. and I mean the other thing with anxiety is like in a case like this, sometimes it can be what we call a secondary emotion. So this means that there's Mm. actually another emotion underneath it, but it kind of shows up as anxiety. So when we're, when, like as a person myself Mm. who is professional at experiencing anxiety, um, you know, it's not fun, but it's Mm. like familiar to me. So I can feel anxious and go like, okay, I know what this is. I get it. Like I can do this. Yeah, but so often exactly, it will almost be yeah. kind of like become like a bit of a shield for something deeper underneath. Mm. And so if you find you're getting consistently yeah. stuck in that loop of like, I'm anxious and I don't know why I would really encourage you. I mean, Ruth, but the general you as well to like, just explore, <laughs> like, could there actually be another emotion underneath this that my anxiety is protecting me from often it's fear or like deep pain or grief or sadness. And so sometimes just like digging a little bit deeper to see if there's something else there, because if we're stuck just feeling anxious and feeling anxious, but there's actually like a deeper experience going on um, and we don't, we don't meet that other emotional experience, it'll just stay stuck, right? Like we need to feel the, feel the right emotion. Um, So that's kind of a, a piece of this to explore too. And it could be, you know, maybe you're anxious about putting something out in the world or anxious about, um, you know, money and finances. And it's really connected to, um, a, a deep fear that needs to be felt and explored or grief around a big financial loss that happened that, um, you know, like whatever might, whatever it might be. Um, we need to ask those like deeper questions. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're approaching it with curiosity rather than judgment. Yeah and compassion Mm, yeah and compassion Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that whole thing that when you were talking about you know our anxiety and our mental health issues don't just come from ourselves they're you know a broader societal cause or you know something in our lives I think that's really really helpful Mm -hmm. for that as well and um actually one thing I wanted to talk about next was And I know we've probably got a lot to say about this, but this idea of, you know, living life a certain way and building a business in a certain way and creating a success of yourself in a certain way. And I feel like that, I mean, it it definitely plays into so many of the doubts that I see people have with their businesses. And also I think it makes it really hard to trust ourselves and I just, I would love to dig into that a bit because I know you've got stuff to say about that. I mean, this is, yeah, this is such juicy stuff. There's so much here. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like for me personally, right, one of the places I experience the most fear, anxiety, doubt in my business is around the shift I'm trying to make to 
operating in a way that works better and feels better, like for me and my body, um, which means I'm working less hours mm-hmm. than the traditional work week. And that's terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it means, mm-hmm. yeah, just being like a little bit more slow in my approach to things. And, um, and those, it's so anxiety provoking because we have been basically sold and taught this idea of what a productive work structure needs to look like for our entire lives. And it's so hard to dismantle that, right? Like I remember, I mean, I love my parents, but they are very much of the mentality in the sort of generation that's like, you have to, you work hard, um, you put in the hours, you suffer until you retire, and that's when you get to enjoy things. And that's kind of what I grew up thinking and how I grew up approaching work. And so it's been so hard to shift to like, okay, maybe actually like a 25 to 30 hour work week is where I'm most productive and what feels really good to me and allows me to create and show up for my clients. Um, that's okay. But like I confront anxiety around that every single week. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, I think when we think about the broader like context, again, sort of zooming out from our own personal experience to like, where does this come from? And we recognize that, you know, this work week that we have was kind of created out of the, um, you know, the origins of capitalism, which really was this transition from more sustenance-based living to, um, waged work. Right. And at that time when capitalism was kind of created, um, you know, the more hours the the working class put in, the more production happened and the more profitable it was to the, the mm-hmm. higher ups. And so that just established this system in which at the time, you know, waged labor was working these incredibly long hours. And obviously there's been, you know, so many labor movements and work done to sort of pare that down a little bit. Um, and many people are still faced with that because they're being paid hourly and need to go to work and work multiple jobs and put food on the table. But for those of us in a position to examine that and work differently, which is such a huge privilege to even be having this conversation, you know, yeah. if we can step back and go, this was just like a system that was invented arbitrarily to like benefit some white dudes, right? <laughs> like really, um, yep. it's not based on our bodies, right? It's not actually what our bodies need and how they function well. It's certainly not based on any natural rhythms we see in the world, right? Like the seasons go through winter, they rest for 25% of the time. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. this like completely random idea someone came up with that was like, great, this is, this is what a work week looks like. It just doesn't fit us. And so when we can start to see that, like, I mean, at least for me, that's how I start to go, okay, it's okay for me to listen to myself and my body instead of this random story I've been told for my whole life. And that's hard. And I have to do it every day, but that's been really fundamental for me and like shifting that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so helpful to see it in those, in that way, like this is a system that was invented by someone and probably, and it was probably invented by the people who didn't actually have to work in that way themselves, which is really interesting as well. Um, And yeah, I've definitely had similar feelings about like structuring my work in a way that honors like my energy levels, my personality, you know, my introverted nature, all of that stuff. And it always brings up questions for me of like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I to think that I can have it so easy? And and you're right in saying that we are in a massively privileged position. But I do wonder, as business owners who have this privilege, who can design things the way that works for them, if it if it could play a small part in in changing the culture in some way in a broader sense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I totally believe um, that that, you know, like rest can be a really radical act, right? Um, Shifting the way we do Mm. things at a personal or sort of family level can be huge. I mean, that's where change starts. And another question I ask is, you know, who does it serve for you to just grind longer than you actually need to? No one. It yeah. certainly doesn't serve you, but it doesn't serve anyone else either. And if you can work in a way that feels better for you, keeps you more resourced, you're also going to be able to show up for the people around you, show up for the you know the global issues we're facing um, so much more than if you just push because you think you should. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the... Um... One of the things that I feel like 
puts people off from, for example, reducing their working hours is a sense that, you know, I guess at at its core, it's this belief that, you know, I, I can't like earn the money I need. I can't create the results I need unless I work X number of hours. It's a very like, it's, it's very arbitrary, but I think it's so ingrained in us that we think I have to work this mm-hmm. much in order to get out of it what I need to be yeah. safe and secure and successful, whatever that means. So how do we start to untangle some of those stories? Yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, that's one I'm still grappling with. And I think I often turn to to mm. you and, and your offerings and podcasts and stuff for advice <laughs> in that <laughs> regard, if we're being honest. Um But I think, you know, so much of it is really, again, you know, coming back to the self, right? Like, okay, I have this idea that I need to work a certain number of hours in order to make X number of dollars or to be quote unquote successful or be perceived as working hard enough, whatever the reason might be. But we really need to step back into ourselves and try and for a moment, quiet all of those stories and those beliefs and go, okay, that's great. But like, what do I actually need? You know, and and there's going to be real questions Mm -hmm. about that. Like, yes, you do probably need to earn a certain amount of money to, you know, sustain your life and maybe put some money in savings or whatever it might be. Right. But you get to actually decide on those numbers. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And your number might be totally different, less or more than whatever you've been sort of told or taught is an appropriate amount to earn. Same with hours, right? Like, Mm. sure, we've been told this idea that we should work 35, 40 hours, depending on where you live. Um, But like, again, can you quiet that idea for just a moment and come back to like, okay, what actually feels good to me when I work whatever many hours a week, you know, how am I best able to show up for my business, show up for my family and my other commitments? what's my number, right? And I mean, that might be fluid and flexible depending on your Mm -hmm. annual cycle with the seasons, your monthly cycle with your own body um, for those people in a body with a uterus. But really just like, we need to give ourselves that permission to sort of check in with ourselves and for that to evolve and change over time, right? Like I'm in a constant state of evolution with how I approach my business and I probably always will be. And I think we get sold this idea you know, in business that will like, we'll figure it out, right? Like, okay, when I reach that point, then I'll feel good and I'll figure it out. And it's like, I don't think I'm coming to terms with the fact that I don't think you ever really get there. Um, it's just like this moving target. And so if you can just accept like right now in this particular season of my business, what do I need? What does my body need? What does my wallet need? You know, what are the like needs I have and how can I create something that works for me around that for now? And I'll reassess that next week or next month or tomorrow, right? Um, but it's like this, it's like being in relationship with, with your business and your body and engaging from a place of, like you said before, curiosity and compassion, um, and really working on, you know, whenever those stories about those shoulds come up, just saying, you know, thank you. I see you. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm choosing not to listen. And it's going to take practice over time. You're going to have to do that thousands of times, but eventually if you keep holding that space, right? Like create this little sort of greenhouse for your little sapling inner voice to start growing, right? It needs, we need to keep it safe so it can take root. And over time, you know, that inner knowing, that truth will get stronger and it will more naturally sort of overpower all of those shoulds that we've learned. But we have to really protect it when it still feels new and it's still growing. And we have to really listen and check in with ourselves every single day. Mm. Mm, You put that so well. And I do think that the constant checking in is a part of it. And and in some ways, like, that's the <laughs> that's the frustrating thing about it. Because when you get into this cycle of, like, pushing, 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 you have no time. You have no time to mentally step back, to really consider what you want. And, and sometimes those of us or those, you know, at the stage of business or wh- whatever's going on, when you need it the most, when you need that step back the most, that's when you feel like the least like you can actually take Mm -hmm. that step back and in my experience and I think that like what you're saying about constantly deciding and and cultivating it over time that's definitely been my experience like I I'm not there yet like and I and I I teach the things that I need to learn myself and honestly but the more I do it the more I am able to catch myself and 
as uncomfortable as it feels because honestly and sometimes it's tied into anxiety for me you know so a a false like sense of control that I'm gaining from working more or pushing myself more um and sometimes it's like a money thing whatever fear is behind it I don't know but so it's hard it's hard in that moment to go this is when you most need to stop this is when you need to lean back but I but the benefit over time for me has been like gathering the evidence that it really yeah. does work yeah. and it's like every time I step back it rejuvenates me like obviously we all deserve rest no matter what the result of the rest is like absolutely 100% and for me I've also found that the rest does tend to have a positive result for like you know my totally. creative work but it's like I'm still in that place where <laughs> you know, I'm connecting the two things. And it would be lovely if I could just say, oh, you know what? I just rest whenever I need it, despite like, you know, it doesn't have to have any benefit for my business. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not there yet, but it is, yeah, it's a constant practice, a constant choosing of, you know, constantly making that decision because that's, that's one thing I realized. I thought, I think you, you touched on this. You like, you think you're just gonna have it figured out one day and that when you get there, then you, then you'll have all the, time you need to support yourself in all the ways you need and actually it's a choice you get to make today and tomorrow and the next day like all the time and sometimes you'll stray from it and you just need to come back to it and it's just always always evolving yeah absolutely I mean I'm certainly not there yet either um and I love what you said Ruth about like we need to collect that evidence that it's okay and I and I think, yeah. you, you know, that's fine for you to start small, right? Like if you're in the mindset right now, of like, okay, I need to work a certain amount of hours. My work week needs to look like this. There's no room for rest. I have to push, right? Okay. That's okay. That's where you're starting, right? Like meet yourself where you're at. Think about what would happen if I on Fridays ended half an hour earlier than I normally do, right? Like take the first smallest step and then yeah. do that for a couple of weeks and go, wow, I, you know, I stopped work at 4.30 instead of 5 on a Friday and nothing went wrong. I still got everything done. The universe didn't explode. Nothing changed in my business. And so then you can start to trust that. Okay, then what's the next step you do to collect a little more evidence that less is okay or that, you know, taking a break in the middle of the day is okay or whatever it might be. You know, we need that evidence. I remember, um, you know, as I, I for a while was in the mindset that like I just could not cancel a client appointment. And I, I mean, this is not something I do very often, yes. but occasionally I get sick mm-hmm. or there's like a family emergency and we have to. Yeah. And it was so liberating for me to be forced into a position because of something that was going on to actually have to cancel like a whole week of clients and have nothing fall apart. I canceled them. You know, I, you know, I didn't earn as much yeah, money that week, but absolutely. like, that's okay. Um, but nothing fell apart. They were all okay. They all stuck around, like nothing bad happened. And I was, now I can go like, Oh, I can do that, right? Like I'm not going to choose to do that most of the time because my commitment is to my clients, but should I need to? Like that's okay. And so sometimes, you know, we can't just convince ourselves of these things. We need to actually try them and do them and collect evidence and go, that was okay. I can really take in my body like that was okay. I can do that. So I think that's that's really important too and and really, you know, meeting yourself where you're at with that, right? I sometimes will see people on Instagram who like have taken a month off or something. And and great, I'd love to get to that point right now where my business is at. I'm not in the position to be able to do that and feel really good about it and have it feel nourishing. I'm working towards that. But right Mm -hmm. now meeting myself where I'm at is taking, you know, a week or two off at a time. That's great, right? So really recognizing that, you know, you, you get to decide this for you and it's not like a race to who can rest more. It's about like, what do you need for you in your business where it's at right now? Yes. I love that. I love the, like you emphasizing that meeting yourself where you're at, because I've been in a position in my previous business where I was able to take pretty much five months off Mm. for maternity leave. Now, if I was to do that right now in this business, that would be a lot more difficult than it was then. And the businesses are at different stages. I'm doing different things. I believe that it's something worth working towards Absolutely. for all of us. And I and I know we all have different businesses, but I do believe that we can design them in a way that we don't have to constantly be there. 
But it's also right to point out that you have to meet yourself where you're at. And we are all at a different stage with how this Because I think there can be a lot of shame when we start comparing ourselves to people who maybe have businesses that are further along than ours or have completely different businesses, right? You know, maybe someone who's in a different industry can do things totally differently than someone who's seen clients every week as an example, right? Like there are so many differences. Mm -hmm. And so I know for myself, it's so, it's like I feel I'm already struggling with um, you know, the, the shame or self-doubt around trying to scale back. And then I look at someone who's resting even more than me, has more freedom than me. And then I feel shame that I'm not further along on that path. And it's just like, oh my goodness, like you can just become this shame spiral that no matter what we do, it doesn't feel good enough. And so we really need to like stay yeah. in our own lane, right. And, and do listen to us first, mm-hmm. listen to our bodies first, um, and quiet some of those external voices, even if they're really positive influences, sometimes they can still um, push us in ways that we're not ready for or, or aren't the right fit for us right in this moment. Although I totally agree with you. I think, you know, working in that direction over time is is so important and so needed. Yeah, yeah. And there was something that you brought up when we were talking about what we were going to discuss today. And that was the idea that money like like money can be a real sticking point because we often you know yeah. we need the money we need to make the money yep. we need to make the money for so many reasons and it can be the thing that um that overrides this desire to prioritize our bodies like we need the money and i know you want to like it was kind of a question for me i would like us like both to talk about this a little bit but but for me one thing I've learned, and I don't want to minimize any situation that anyone listening to this may be in, but one thing I've learned is that a lot of people who speak to me about this are a lot safer than they think yeah. they are with money. Um, often it's it's a like it's so simple, but for me, like keeping on top of my numbers, like knowing what's going in and out, is so important because then at least when I'm making decisions, it's based on fact rather than a fear and a false kind of insecurity. And um, for me, money money is a source of anxiety for me in the sense that like my anxiety always is trying to get me to be safe. And I don't always know what safe really is. <laughs> it's a kind of a it's kind of a really vague idea and a vague worry in my head. So I just I think that's always the first thing I would say when people are stuck on money and and wanting like this push and pull of like, I need to step back, I need to take care of myself and I need to yeah. earn the money. Um, and I don't know, like, do you have? Any yeah, I mean, I that? totally agree with you, Ruth, about sort of the tracking of the finances and having a really clear idea of what's what's going out and coming in. Um, because it can create that sense of of safety and security and control that we do need around money, right? Security is in, an important need, mm-hmm. um, and it's okay to need that. It's also like okay to give yourself permission to need that financial security and to not be able to be like, it's mm-hmm. fine. It doesn't matter how much money I make, right? Like, so um, really recognizing when that anxiety comes up. You know, you talked about for you, it's about safety. And so often it is with anxiety and and that's actually super adaptive, right? That you feel anxious around something that connects to safety for you. That's a great response to have. So Mm. kind of working with your anxiety from that perspective of like, okay, you know, thanks. Like, thanks for being here and for caring about making sure I'm safe, but actually I've got this, right? I can handle this. I'm going to make sure we're okay. Um, The other thing that works well for me has been just about kind of questioning and this this may or may not be relevant depending on sort of what your financial goals are um if you're just like i need to sustain where i'm at this this might not land with you and that's okay but if you're someone who's in a position of being able to work towards some goals around your savings or whatever you know taking a trip when covid is (laughs) whenever that's safe to do um or buying a house Mm -hmm. or any of those things right really asking yourself like first of all are these goals that i actually want for me really important because sometimes we set goals Mm -hmm. that aren't really actually what we want. Um, and then if they are, you know, is my timeline around that something that actually feels good to me? Or is it something that I just like made up arbitrarily based on what I was, when I was told I should have a house, you know, do I actually need to have that goal achieved by the time I'm whatever age you've sort of randomly inserted? Um, really just like engaging in sort of an honest conversation with yourself about like, would it be okay if there was a little flexibility there? Would it actually be okay for me if I had a little more space around that? Um, And that's, you know, maybe no, 
that's okay too. But just being really curious, again, coming back to this question we were talking about earlier of like asking yourself, where does this story or this belief or this desire or this want come from? Is it mine? And if it is, great, keep it. But if it's someone else's, maybe you don't have to carry that weight. Yes, they are such good questions. And and you kind of reminded me of one other thing that I thought I would add about this. And that's the idea of like, it's sort of, it, it's really tied to what you just said. It's like, what am I making this mean? What am I making it mean if I don't get this money goal? Yeah. Because if I am safe, if I've, if I've gotten the minimum I need to, to, you know, pay the bills and be okay, then what am I making it mean? And that is a question that comes up for me a lot. You know, I've, I'm ambitious. And when I don't hit certain goals, I do make it mean something about myself. But just even recognizing that fact helps me to untangle that yeah, a bit. That's a great question. I love that. Mm. Okay, so I've really loved this conversation, by the way, but I'm going to ask you one final question, which is one of my <laughs> random questions, which is, what do you believe in despite having no proof of it? Yeah, so this is tricky because as we were talking, you, I, you gave me this question before we started and I was kind of at the back of my mind thinking and I kept coming up with things that I actually am lucky enough to have a lot of <laughs> proof of. But um, what I kept coming <laughs> back to was this idea that, you know, I, I think that I always believe in my ability to do whatever new thing it is that I want to do, even though I have no proof that that's going to work. Um, I have proof that I can do new things, that I can pivot, that I can change my mind and change direction. So I, so there is some proof, but the thing itself, you know, I do it and I'm like, this might totally not work. And I do it anyway. And I guess I have to believe in it working (laughs) or I believe in myself enough. Um, so yeah, that's what I come back to is that. I feel like that's such an important thing for business owners, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for having me and having this conversation. I think it's so important and it's, you know, so wonderful. I've listened to your podcast for a long time, but um, you consistently engage in like Mm -hmm. such vital and soothing conversations too, like permission giving conversations about these kinds of topics. And I just want to say thank you for that because it's been such a like bomb for my soul in my own business. And so it's really exciting and fun to be able to participate in this, um, in this forum as well. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. And if you want to learn more about Kelsey, head to her website at kelseymech.com, check out her Wellspring membership or follow her on Instagram at Kelsey Mech. That is spelt Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y-M-E-C-H. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.